Let us pray together. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for the privilege of studying it together. And now as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own. Through the name of Jesus Christ, amen. John is one of my favorite biblical writers. I love the Gospel of John. I love the fact that John is a theologian rather than a historian. He's not simply trying to tell us this is what Jesus did, but he wants us to understand why Jesus did it. What does it mean? What's the difference that it makes? The other thing I love about the Gospel of John is that nothing in the Gospel of John is by accident. If there's a detail in the Gospel of John, it's there for a reason. He's making a point. And I love the way John shared with us the resurrection story. In chapter 20, he shares with us about the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, how Jesus had conquered death, conquered the cross, conquered the grave, and offered each of us everlasting life when we believe in Him. He tells us the story of Mary who came to the tomb early in the morning only to find the stone had been rolled away. And Mary is so distraught thinking someone has taken the body of our Lord. She runs back to find the disciples. She finds Peter and she finds John and tells them the stone's been removed. They've taken the Lord. They run to the tomb, see that it's empty, see the linen cloths lying there, then they leave and go home. It's then that John tells us that Jesus appeared and Mary assumes he's the gardener until Jesus calls her name, Mary. Mary then runs and tells the disciples, I've seen the Lord. John tells us that later that evening, the disciples had joined together in the house, the doors were locked, and Jesus appeared among them and said, Peace be with you. And when they saw that it was Jesus, they rejoiced. He is alive. Unfortunately, Thomas wasn't there that evening. So it's a week later when the disciples join together once again. And John tells us this time, Thomas is present. Jesus appears, peace be with you. And when Thomas sees the risen Christ, he cries out, my Lord and my God. And John starts wrapping up the book. As a matter of fact, at the end of that chapter, he concludes the gospel by saying, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. That was meant to be the end of the story, the end of the gospel, and yet we turn the page and there's another chapter. There's an addendum. There's a postscript. It's like John realized there's something else you've got to know. I really need you to hear this. And so he writes the following. John chapter 21, beginning at verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again 
to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, which is the same as the Sea of Galilee. And he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got in the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach. But the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and he jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come. And have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. The disciples had returned home to Galilee. That was the region where Jesus called them to come and follow him. Now that they had experienced the cross, the resurrection, the appearances, they returned home. They returned home to be with their families, to try to discern what does all this mean now. I imagine their heads were spinning. I would love to have heard some of the conversations that they must have been having. What what does this mean? We know He is the Messiah. We kind of thought, though, that He would set up His kingdom in Jerusalem. We thought that as the King of Israel, He would overthrow the Romans. What does this mean? Wonder what happens next. It must have been a confusing time. What are we going to do? And then there's Peter. I, I love Peter. I love the fact that, that Peter is impetuous. He's one of those guys that has a tendency to act before he really thinks it through. And, and you can see as they're having conversation, we're told that there's seven of them there that are having conversations, that Peter then goes, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going fishing. The other disciples look at Peter and then they respond, we'll go with you. And so the disciples go out into the water. 
It's what they were familiar with. Remember, Peter was a fisherman originally when Jesus was calling him. Many times when we are afraid, anxious, discouraged, depressed, frustrated, whatever we might be feeling, we have a tendency to revert back to what we're familiar with. Where was the last place I was comfortable? Where was the last place I was secure? And we have a tendency to go back there, so maybe that's why they decided to go fishing. It could be as well that they went fishing because they still had families to provide for. They still had children that they needed to care for. So maybe they were going fishing to continue their living. I'm going fishing. But they had been fishing all night long. I wonder what the conversation was like. There are certain places where a lot of conversation occurs. A golf course is one of them. Another one is when you're fishing. I can imagine it's late at night. They're fishing throughout the night. The water tends to be most calm. This would have been before the days of street lights and city lights. So you can imagine as they're out on this beautiful Sea of Galilee with the mountains all around the edges that the stars must have been brilliant. The water would have been calm. You would have heard a gentle splashing up against the boat. Probably moments of silence, then a periodic question. So you, what do you think about when Jesus said this? Or do you think Jesus will come back? Or remember when he taught that lesson? Do you remember that day when I would love to have heard that conversation? But they had been fishing all night. It's early the next morning. And unfortunately, they had caught nothing. So they were tired, they were hungry, and probably a little bit frustrated after fishing all night and nothing to bring home to account for it. And, and, and so they, they notice on the shore there's someone walking. John tells us they didn't know it was Jesus. And so the voice from the shoreline calls out to these fishermen and says, Hey, children! You have no fish, do you? And the disciples respond back, No! And the voice from the shore then says, Well, cast the net over on the right side of the boat and you'll catch some. Now, I will be honest with you. I am always a little surprised at the reaction that the disciples give here. Remember, these are professional fishermen. And someone on the shoreline calls out and says, No luck? Well, try this. You would think that a professional fisherman, not knowing who it was on the shoreline, might have some other responses simply than, Okay. I think it would kind of be like me going to a professional golf tournament and watching as Phil Mickelson makes a stroke of the, the club and and then me yelling from the stands or yelling from the side, Hey, Phil, try to turn your grip a little bit this way. I'm sure he would run right over and go, Here's a fist bump, and thank you so much for that. That's going to change my game. You know, there's always someone who just seems to know a little bit more than you do how to do what you do. But that's not the way the disciples take it. I wonder if it was his voice. 
There was something about the voice of Jesus. When he called the disciples, they would just immediately leave and follow him. It may be that he used a very affectionate, intimate word for children. That, that word for children actually is little child. It's an intimate word that was used. It was a, a kind, compassionate word that was used. So maybe they realized this is not someone who's trying to be difficult. This is actually someone who cares. And so they take the advice. They throw the net off to the right side and they catch so many fish. I told you, nothing in John is by accident, but to make sure we understand this, John will tell us three times in this story, verse 6, verse 8, verse 11, that there were so many fish. The capacity was beyond just a good catch. This is a miraculous catch. This is an overwhelming catch of fish. This is an amount that is so much that, that the disciples don't hardly know what to do. They can't seem to get the fish into the boat. They're amazed. And it's then that John looks over at Simon Peter and says, it's the Lord. This is the Lord makes you wonder if there might be a, a little bit of a memory that's occurring here. If you look back in Luke chapter 5, for example, Luke tells us the story of when Jesus called Peter. One day Jesus had been teaching along the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee and the crowds are now pressing in on him and Jesus looks over, sees a couple of fishing boats. The fishermen are actually in, in the water mending their nets and Jesus gets into one of the boats, says to Simon Peter, would you pull away from the shoreline just a little bit? And, and Jesus then sits there and teaches the crowd. And they listen to the teachings. But it's also then that Jesus said, now throw out your nets and catch some fish. And Peter says then, Lord, we've been fishing all night and we haven't had much luck. Surely not. And Jesus said, trust me, throw out your nets, see what happens. And again, they catch an abundance of fish. Peter then realizes you're not just an ordinary prophet. And he says, Lord, you need to get away from me. I am a sinful man. And it was then that Jesus said to him, have no fear. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. From now on, you will fish for people. I wonder when this event occurs again and all of a sudden they have this miraculous catch that John, because we're told in Luke 5 that James and John were also there with Peter when this occurred, that John is going, it's Jesus. Don't you remember from three years or so ago? It, this is Jesus. It's the Lord. Peter, <laughs> bless his heart. Peter jumps up when he realizes it's the Lord and, and starts putting on his clothes. And we could get into a whole different conversation of why didn't he have clothes on to start with. But he, he puts on his clothes. And then after he's put on his clothes, jumps into the water. And instead of going to the shore in a perfectly good boat, swims to Jesus because he's so excited to get there. And then when the other disciples get there, well, 
they start dragging in the fish. Now, John lets us know when Jesus does something, it's always in abundance. John chapter 2, you have the miracle of turning the water into wine at the wedding in Cana. And there was so much. And it was the best. And then again in John chapter 6, you have the story of the feeding of the 5,000, where there's 5,000 men, not counting the women and the children. So 10, 15,000, 20,000 people. And, and there's five loaves and two fish, and Jesus is able to bless it, and everyone eats their fill. And at the end, there's 12 baskets left over. There's always abundance with Jesus. And they have the abundance of the fish, and they come to the shore, and they notice that Jesus already has a fire going. He already has fish that he's cooking, so even though they had not caught, Jesus had already caught fish. He's fixing the fish, has the bread going, says, bring some of what you've caught. Let's have breakfast together. And John then tells us, now this was the third time that Jesus had appeared to the disciples. So John had finished his gospel. But now he says, there's a couple more things though that I really think you need to know. And this is one of the stories. Why would this story be so important that John would want us to know this story? Why would John be saying, oh, but this is really important. I need you to hear this. I think it's because John is reminding us of our calling. He's reminding us of Peter's calling. We already mentioned it from Luke chapter 5, but you hear it again in Matthew chapter 4 verse 19, Mark chapter 1 verse 17, that when Peter is called, Jesus said to him, from now on, you will be fishing for people. There's a mission here, a commission here. There's a job to do, a task to be done. And, and John wants us to remember there's a mission for the church. There's a mission for the disciples. The end of the story is not just the story. It's what do we do with it now? You may remember in the previous chapter in John 20 when Jesus appeared to the disciples in the house. He said, peace be with you. But then Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. As the Father sent me, I send you. I call you as my disciples. But now you are called to go make disciples. The other reason I think this may be the case is there's a play on the word that we miss in English. But when you read the Greek, John 21, verse 11, the scripture tells us that Peter then goes back to the boat and hauls in the net and hauls in the catch of the fish. That Greek word is helkuo. And it's a word that means drawing. And Jesus used this word a couple other times in the Gospel of John to refer to when he would draw all people to himself. For example, John chapter 6, verse 44. Jesus said, No one can come to me unless drawn 
hauled in by the Father who sent me, and I will raise that person up on the last day. John chapter 12, verse 32, Jesus says again, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw, will haul in all people to myself. So John is letting us know when Peter is now hauling in, that was his job. I will make you fish for people. And Peter is now hauling in the catch. And we're told that there were 153 fish. That's a pretty straight number. I mean, it's a pretty precise, specific kind of number. It wasn't, there was around 150, 160 fish. No, 153. Why? Well, there's been a lot of debate. Some say it's a mathematical formula that's symbolic. Other people say it's just a way of showing there were so many that they actually counted the fish, and each one of the fish counted that when we are brought into the nets for God, we're significant. So God just doesn't round off. There was 150, 160. Each one counts. It was 153 precise, specific, significant fish. St. Jerome, who translated the Greek scriptures into the Latin, known as the Vulgate, well, he believed that during this time, it was believed to be 153 different species of fish. And that the point that John is actually making here is that in the net was all the different kinds of fish. In other words, when we fish for Christ, we pull in from all peoples, all nations, all groups. Everyone is invited into the kingdom. What is the point? Well, I think John is trying to tell us. You know, I I shared with you the story up through chapter 20, and he said, I wrote these things so that you may believe. But then he felt called, but there's more. I need to tell you one more thing. I wrote these things so that you may believe. I'm writing this so that you may go. I wrote these things so that you will know the message. I'm writing these things so that you'll know the mission. I wrote these things so that Jesus will catch you. And I'm sharing with you these things so that you'll go fishing and catch others for Jesus Christ. It parallels what Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew at the end of the story. Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you, and then remember this. I will be with you always. And then John tells us one more interesting detail that's not by accident. He says, and the net was not torn. Even with all this fish, the net was not torn because there's room in the kingdom of God for everyone. There's room in the kingdom of God for you. 
There's room in the kingdom of God for your family. There's room in the kingdom of God for your friends, for your co-workers, for your neighbors, for everyone that's a part of your life. There's room in the kingdom of God. The net is designed for capacity. It's designed to hold everyone. Now the calling for us is to go fishing. John had finished the book. There are many other things that Jesus did. I could have told you more, but I wrote these things so that you may come to believe. And then he goes, but wait a minute, there's more. There's one more thing I need to make sure you know. Not only are you called to believe, we the church, we're called to go fishing. Simon Peter looked around and said, I'm going fishing. And the disciples said, we'll go with you. May the church, the disciples say once again, we'll go with you. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.